This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today's episode is called Normalizing Pedophilia, LGBTQ plus P. And guys, we will get into why that is called that here in just a second. But if you go back to episode 87 of this podcast, it was called Normalizing Pedophilia. Now, the thing is, is I don't really do, you know multi-part series on this show, right? I've done a two-part series on uh, toxic masculinity and I just wrapped, well, I hopefully wrapped uh, the Race in America series, which ended up being four parts, but I don't really do things thinking I'm gonna have to come back to it because, you know, I'll talk about things that are happening currently in the culture, I'll talk about current events. I'll talk about some sort of big news happening and that's kind of pertinent to the timing. But then there's also these larger topics, which it's like, okay, well you hit on that topic unless something fundamentally changes about it. You don't really need to go back and talk more about it. Like I've done episodes on guns and how to engage abortion arguments and things like that. And it's just like, those are kind of evergreen. They can be accessed anytime and you could go to them and refer to them anytime. But I don't normally think that I'm gonna have to revisit a subject. But I guess I'm gonna have to revisit pedophilia because There's more and more things happening. Here we are in September of 2020 that makes us think that pedophilia is going to be the next thing that we're going to have to deal with, that we're going to have to reckon with as a people, as men, as the church. And there's two things that have come up recently that have kind of put this top of mind for a lot of people. And I'll talk about both of those now. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the Cuties movie that is coming out on Netflix. So it's going to be released this week, but you guys might have thought it was already released because all the hubbub about this being released. But here's the current description. So if you go to Netflix right now, whether you're, you're if you're listening to this on time, I, I believe that this movie is now going to be officially released. This is the current description of Cuties on Netflix. 11-year-old Amy starts to rebel against her conservative family's traditions when she becomes fascinated with a free-spirited dance crew. So if you're just kind of flipping through, trying to figure out what to watch, maybe watch it with your family, you're thinking to yourself, well, well, this is probably just some sort of coming of age tale. You know, this girl, this poor girl is under the repressive authoritarian nature of our conservative family values. And we just, man, this is going to be her busting out. This is going to be some sort of young feminist that's blossoming before our eyes. That's what you would actually think. However, if we go back to the original description of this, we get a slightly different story as to what we think the movie Cuties is supposed to be about. So here's the original description. Amy, 11, becomes fascinated with a twerking dance crew. Hoping to join them, she starts to explore her femininity, defying her family's traditions. Now, that's very different because this is a movie about a twerking dance crew But you have to go back to the beginning where it says she's 11 and she's going to be exploring her femininity 
which when people normally say explore their femininity, they're talking about sex. That's what they're typically doing. They're, they're talking about sexualizing themselves and understanding what that feels like, even in a young age. So when you hear people say that, they just know what they're actually saying. But it wasn't the description that really got people all up in arms about this film. It was the image that was used in the marketing material for this film. So most of you guys have already seen this. So, uh, you know, you can look it up if you want to, I'm not going to provide it for you here, but essentially there are four young ladies. So probably in and around that age of 11 years old, and they're in varying seductive dance poses, right? But here's the thing. If you were to blur the image or maybe just look at it from the corner of your eye where you can't actually identify that these are young ladies, you would have thought that this was a picture with four strippers on it. Because there's one girl that's in a twerking motion. There's a couple of other girls in a seductive pose. One girl's kind of on all fours looking seductively at the camera. And the thing was, is that really led to this tremendous outcry from people because in terms of the reception of the film, there were a lot of defenders that, you know, saying, Hey, this is providing critical commentary on the sexualization of children, you know, apparently by sexualizing the children, but there was pretty much universal backlash in, in an era, in a time in the world, especially in America where there's not universality on anything almost any topic whatsoever. There's been universal backlash. I saw conservatives, liberals, righties, lefties, Democrats, Republicans. I saw people going after this saying, whoa, Netflix, you have absolutely crossed the line. What in the world is this movie? How in the world are you going to put this on your platform? There was a huge petition that went around online. It got tens of thousands of signatures, not just to change out the picture or change out the, the description, but to actually get the film off of Netflix. So after all this hubbub and all this stuff going on, Netflix issues a statement via Twitter, and this is what they said, quote, we're deeply sorry for the inappropriate artwork that we used for cuties. It was not okay, nor was it representative of this French film, which won an award at Sundance. We've now updated the pictures and description, end quote. So a couple things about that statement by Netflix, because it's a really quick statement. It's just a couple of sentences, a few sentences. So you may have missed some things here. The first thing, they admit that the artwork that they used in the film was inappropriate, but they say that it wasn't representative of this film. So you have to ask yourself, in what way was it not representative of this film? So here, here's the thing. Let's just run through a kind of a thought experiment. Did the pictures show the characters from the film? Well, yes, the, the picture did. Were the characters wearing the same clothing that they wore in the film? Yes. Were the characters striking poses like the ones that they performed in the film? Yes. So if we go back to their statement saying that the image was not representative of this film, in what way was it not? I mean, it made people very uncomfortable and for good reason, but that, that was your argument? It just wasn't representative of the film that it clearly was representing? And the other thing is there's a subtle dig in their statement. Okay, so it's, you know, dot, 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 which won an award at Sundance? So they just kind of sneak that in there. The translation of that is obviously, well, if only you boorish rubes understood art, maybe you would understand that this film was about something more. 
Because the thing is, is people that have actually seen the film, people that have spent their time and, and you know, energy uh, to spend two hours with this ridiculous film, they said, well, it's not really about what the image portrays and blah, blah, blah. It's about so many other things. And it's not really what you would think. It's more of a, it's more of a social commentary. It's more, that, that's what people are saying online. That's what these critics are saying. But that's not the image that was used. Right. And, and we've all get, gone to movies where the, the trailer, you know, thought it was going to be some shoot 'em up thing. And we thought it was going to be awesome when we go in. And it's just not really what we what we think. It's kind of a bait and switch. This is pretty different. This is pretty different. This is a description and a picture showing the sexualization of 11 year old girls. Right. To the pleasure of whom exactly. We'll certainly get to that here in a second. But then the next thing that came up and these these both both of these stories really came up in the same week or two. But Senate Bill 145, SB 145, passed in California. So this is what I'm going to do, because there's a lot of confusion out there about what this Senate bill is going to do, what it's not going to do. So I'm just going to read most of this local news publication about Senate Bill 145. So this is from Fox 11 in Los Angeles. So this is a local uh, local publication, local news source from there. So I'm just going to read this, okay? A new bill headed to Governor Gavin Newsom's desk would lower penalties for adults who have consensual sex with a minor if the offender is within 10 years of age of the victim. Oh, and one thing real quick, that was just the opening, but the name of the article, let me get the name of the article for you. It's New California Bill with Lower Penalties for Adults Who Have Sexual Relations with a Minor. Yeah. So let's go and jump back in here. Senate Bill 145 passed in both houses of the state legislature late Monday evening, which was August the 31st of 2020. If signed into law, a 24-year-old could have sexual relations with a 15-year-old child without being required to register as a sex offender, State Senator Shannon Grove wrote in a tweet. Under current law, while it is illegal for an adult to have consensual sex with a teenager between 14 and 17 years old who cannot legally give consent, Vaginal intercourse between the two does not require the offender to be listed on the state's sex offender registry as long as the offender is within 10 years of age of the minor. Instead, the judge has the discretion to decide based on the facts of the case whether the sex offender registration is warranted. Other forms of intercourse, such as oral and anal intercourse, require sex offender registration. State Senator Scott Weiner, no, that is not parody. That is actually the dude's name. State Senator Scott Weiner, who presented the bill, said the existing law, quote, disproportionately targets LGBT young people for mandatory sex offender registration, since LGBT people usually cannot engage in vaginal intercourse, unquote. I feel like my brain's going to explode, but I'll keep going. California's sex offender registry comes, uh, continues to draw that distinction, an antiquated, outdated, leftover distinction that somehow oral sex is worse than vaginal sex, Wiener said. Yes, that's exactly what his name is, but I'll keep going. According to the bill's language, the goal of SB 145 is to, quote, exempt from mandatory registration under the act a person convicted of certain offenses involving minors if the person is not more than 10 years older than the minor and if that offense is the only one requiring the person to register, unquote. Critics of the bill argue that rather than amending existing law to include vaginal intercourse with a minor as an act that requires mandatory sex offender registration, the bill aims to make all criminal sex acts with a minor over 14 equal to equal by providing offenders with an opportunity to evade mandatory registration. 
Any sex is sex, argued Assemblywoman Lorenza Gonzalez. I don't care who it is between or what sex act it is. That being said, I cannot, in my mind as a mother, understand how sex between a 24-year-old and a 14-year-old could ever be consensual and how it could ever not be a registrable offense. We should never give up on this idea that children should be in no way subject to a predator. According to Wiener, the bill would not change the potential sentence for having sex with an underage minor. Instead, the bill would give judges the ability to evaluate whether the accused be required to register as a sex offender. So, if you got confused in the milieu of that article, believe me guys, I had to read it over and over and over to really understand the nuance of what's happening with this Senate bill, but this is what it essentially is. A pedophile that performs the vaginal rape, and yes, I'm saying rape, the vaginal rape of a child doesn't always become automatically registered as a sex offender in the great state of California. So, out of an overwhelming desire for equality, we need to make it to where a pedophile that anally or orally rapes a kid, which is typically, uh, which is typical of a pedophile that has a same-sex attraction, that they won't automatically be registered as a sex offender either. Because we're progressive and we think of the next thing that we need to look for. And gosh darn it, we need to, you know, if these people are being charged in this way, we just need to spread it out. As opposed to focusing on the difference in figuring out how we can stop this from happening in any way, shape, or form ever, regardless of the sex act, regardless of the person. Perhaps that would be a good thing to spend our time thinking about. Because they're sitting here trying to figure out, well, you know, this, you know, 24 year old was banging this 14 year old, which really couldn't consent to this. And as opposed to taking that person outside of town and shooting them, we decide that we, well, let's leave it up to a liberal judge to figure out whether or not this person should have to register as a sex offender, which is going to mean for any of you listening to this in California, if that person doesn't have to register. Right. So this is someone that had a what they're calling a consensual sexual relationship with a child. They're not going to have to register so they won't pop up on the website that shows you in your neighborhood who has a sex crime against them against a child. I mean, just think about that. The, the reality of trying to live in a neighborhood because not everybody can live in a perfect neighborhood. And it's not as if all the people in those perfect neighborhoods are perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But can you imagine having a next door neighbor? And you've got, you know, young kids and this person's a pedophile and you checked because you're a dutiful, you know, person and a parent and you want to know kind of what's around you and understand the, the potential harms that could befall your, your children and your family. And that person's not registered because a judge didn't find it necessary, regardless of if it's same sex or opposite sex or whatever the attraction is for these people. It's depraved. And again, I think we treat so many pedophiles in this country with kid gloves. But, you know, before I get too far off into that, those are the two things, cuties and Senate bill 145 in the state of California. So, so why are we talking about these things? Well, the reason we're talking about this is there's a question that we need to reckon with, right? And guys are, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. How could you even ask such a thing? Like that's a bridge too far. Kyle, why would you say that? But, but here's the question, guys, how long until pedophilia is considered normal in the modern West? Let me just let that sit in the air for a little bit. How long until pedophilia is considered normal in the modern West, in the United States? And you got guys, again, some of you are just like, oh God, this is so stupid. I mean, you know, Kyle, did you run out of things to talk to or talk about? It's like, this is what we're going to be having to deal with. This is what we're going to have to listen to. But guys, I want you to go back 
to the Overton window conversation that I have with you. I think it was episode uh, 116 of this podcast, 116, 117, whatever. It was called Shifting the Overton Window. So the Overton Window is, the uh, they, those are the things that are able to be in the common discourse of a society, right? And there's always a a shifting of that window where things are inside and outside of that window. There's things that you can talk about and there's just things that you just can't talk about, things that just seem so incredibly crazy. But right now, and again, go back to that normalizing pedophilia episode that I did a while back. This is the next frontier for progressives. Because it has to be. Because back in the day, the argument was, well, you know what? Hey, if you want to be, you know, some people are just gay and then that's just the way that it is. And you shouldn't treat them any differently. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? You know, don't treat them any differently. And but but allow them to have civil unions. It's only right. You know, they're not going to be able to visit their their dying partner in the hospital because they're not technically family, blah, blah, blah. Let's let them have civil unions. And then it became, okay. well, then, you know, they should be able to get married because, you know, the institution of marriage isn't just for, you know, men and women to be in a single relationship with one another. You know, there's got to be a new definition of marriage that lies outside of the confines of this patriarchal society or this Anglo-Saxon or this, you know, Judeo-Christian society or whatever the situation is there. But this is the next thing. And people think that that's insane. But go back to that first episode when I talked about normalizing pedophilia, 80 something or other. There were two TED Talks that have happened, those that were years ago, that happened years ago where they're basically talking about pedophilia as if it's a sexual orientation. As if it's like, oh, these people just can't help it. It's a compulsion. You know, we shouldn't be punishing these people. We should, we should be helping them. We, they, these people shouldn't go to jail. You know, they shouldn't be punished for raping children. Come on now. It's just their sexual orientation. Because what you may not know about homosexuality is if you go back to the American Psychological Association, they used to say that that was an actual mental issue right? Homosexuality. And, and again, I'm sure someone will clip this audio and use it later to, you know, blast me on Twitter or something like that. I didn't make that up. That's what it was. And then it just changed similar to how the American Psychological Association changed without any changes to the science, mind you, changed the fact that a, a child can, you know, just all of a sudden be transgender, that a little boy can actually be a little girl, which kind of leads me into the next point. What progressives are trying to do is they're trying to sneak the P onto the end of LGBTQ, right? So lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, queer, questioning. They're trying to put the P on the end. Now, they won't say that up front because there's very few progressives that are going to say that out loud because currently this conversation is still outside of the Overton window for most people. But if you're using the arguments for transgenderism in children, you can very easily carbon copy and apply those same arguments to pedophilia. Because here's the thing, there are sexual consent laws in every state which basically prohibit children of a certain age to be able to consent to a consensual sexual relationship. And the reason those laws are on the books are because children don't have the mental or physical ability or maturity to consent to a consensual sexual relationship, nor do they have the power to prevent or stop it on, you know, in most cases, right? But... At the same time that we're reckoning with that, we're being told that children of any age can choose their gender and that the parents are to honor, encourage, and affirm that. So your five-year-old boy says, I'm actually a girl, and you're supposed to say, you know what? You're right. Let's go ahead and put you on puberty blockers. Let's go ahead and cut off your junk. Let's go, on, let's go ahead. Let's go full bore, right? You know, let's pick your new name. Okay, you want to be Mary? All right, you can be Mary. 
That's what we're supposed to be doing. But if we use that as our argumentation for transgenderism, with, which is now inside the Overton window, remember like five years ago, if, you would have, if someone would have told you that a five-year-old could choose their gender, you would have looked at them that, like they were insane because they are. But they're using that conversation now. A lot of progressives believe that. They believe that, you know, gender is a social construct and there's no biology really attached to it. There's biological sex, but then there's gender and they're somehow separate, even though they can't explain how. But the same thing is true with transgenderism and with pedophilia. Because if I were a pedophile, which I am not, but let's say I was a 34-year-old man and I was into 12-year-olds, I could use the argument that, wait a minute, wait a minute. While that 12-year-old can choose their gender at the age of 12, they can also choose whether or not to consent to having sex with me. Now, that's a horrible thing to even think, right? And I'm sure someone will clip that audio later and try to use it out of context. But that can certainly happen. We have already seen people, go, go look it up, guys. We've already seen examples of pedophiles that raped children that part of their defense in court was that they were trans-aged. No, 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 sir, judge, you know, your honor, I'm not 45, I'm 15. So the relationship I was having with this 10-year-old boy is completely consensual. I'm 15. And people are like, well, that's insane. How much more insane is it than someone saying that they're transgender? You know, trans age or trans race or whatever those things, how is that any different? I mean, those things categorically are the exact same thing. And guys, we need to be on top of this because again, everything, the church in America is now downstream from culture. Most churches, maybe not your church, maybe you'll defend your church to the death, but most, most churches are downstream from culture. We're already seeing some of the same LGBT plus LGBTQ plus things trumpeted from pulpits. Now, 10 years ago, they weren't being trumpeted from very many pulpits. Now they've got pulpits. They've got them all over the place now. But I just want you to think of this podcast as a time machine or sorry, not a time machine, but more of a time capsule. So I want you to remember this. And if you stuck with us for the last 20 minutes, you're going to be, you know, thinking to yourself, ah, well, you know, I'll just log that in the back of my brain. Let's wait some years and let's see when this starts to be a normal conversation. Well, guys, 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 you know, I know this guy's 20 and, and this, this girl's 12, but gosh, she's so mature for her age. I mean, man, I, she just, I think she knows what she's doing. Or let, let's go back to cuties. This is an 11 year old. She's exploring her femininity by twerking and, and doing these dances and in, in these skimpy clothes uh, to the, the pleasuring of the eyeballs of God knows who in the audience, but yet she's just exploring her, her femininity. So why wouldn't we let an adult help her with that? I mean, the adult surely knows a way to kind of allow some of that to, to be revealed and to blossom into this beautiful butterfly of sexuality. Why wouldn't we let her do that? Guys, if that sounds crazy, Think about the transgender argument and think about what it's done just in the last few years. The pace of these things for a lot of progressives isn't getting any slower. It's been slow going for a long time and we have fallen off a cliff. Need I remind you that when Barack Obama took office in 2008, he was against gay marriage. He was fundamentally against gay marriage. The only president that was pro-gay marriage or at least neutral in gay marriage when they entered the White House is Donald Trump, which doesn't say a whole lot just because it was a manner of the times. It was a losing issue to talk about. So why talk about it in 2016 when you're going up against Hillary Clinton, right? But just think about that. 2008 was not that long ago. And look at where we are as a culture now. 
I mean, this is very, very different. I, I, I think about like people that are my grandparents' age, like in their 80s and 90s, and what they've seen happen to their country in the last five or 10 years, the conversations that are being had by a multitude of people. It's got to be absolutely insane. So again, put a pin in this one. Just remember, this is a shorter podcast. This might seem insane to you, but we're going to have more movies like Cuties coming out. There's already been different cartoons that Netflix has put out that are you know, normalizing sex acts for kids and different things like that. These things are just around, but, but they're nipping around the edges. And this isn't some QAnon, you know, conspiracy theory nonsense. This is just happening. Like, I didn't create cuties. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to support it. But then you've got these laws, like what are happening in California. And a lot of laws are kind of downstream of what happens in some of the bigger states and cities. Now, in the great state of Oklahoma, where I live, I don't think we'll ever have something like this on the books. But guys, what is the world going to look like in 2030? And that's not some sort of dystopian warning to everybody. That's just reality. In the last few years, we've gone from a kid can't choose a gender to they can. And then we've got some huge Supreme Court decisions coming up when it comes to religious freedom and the rights of parents. I mean, guys, you got to pay attention. You got to pay attention to the right news sources. Because again, did you hear about these stories on CNN? Did you hear about these stories in the New York Times? If you did, they were buried on the back page or in the very, very bottom of the website, whatever the situation is. But guys, you've got to be paying attention. But I've got one little sidebar that I want to hit before we let you guys go for the day. And it's this. It is so interesting to me to note the number of men that were just completely outraged by, by especially the movie Cuties, right? Oh man, they were outraged by it and they couldn't believe it. And they're posting it on Facebook. And can you believe this on Twitter? And they're sharing it around and doing all those things. But these same men have no problem with their daughters on dance teams or palm squads. And before your head explodes, it's like, oh, Kyle's anti-dancing or whatever the situation is. I want you to look at a lot of the, the dances and the dance moves and the routines that are being performed by dance teams and palm squads of all aged girls below the age of 18, girls in elementary school, junior high, and high school. It is astonishing what you guys will allow your daughters to wear and do in front of a bunch of men. Even in my own church, I see guys and their, their moms that are posting pictures of their daughters, their young daughters, wearing an unbelievable amount of makeup, wearing ridiculously skimpy clothes, and doing dance moves that you might expect to see at a strip club. But it's just innocent, right? It's just dancing, right? It's just them hanging out with their friends and, and all their friends are on the dance squad. And, and yeah, you know, the teacher's a little bit older and, you know, maybe they come from a different background and maybe some of these hip hop moves that they picked up off music videos, maybe they don't understand what that looks like, but you should, and you do. So guess what, dad, if you've got little girls that are into dancing and you want to encourage that, I'm all for it. There's plenty of ways that these girls can dance where it can be good for exercise and for their friendships and for their, even their athletic development, footwork, all of that. I, I get it. But if you sit there and you're at a basketball game, because maybe they go out and they dance with the, the Thunder girls at halftime at a, at a Thunder game or whatever basketball team that you go to, and you're there at halftime and you're watching your daughters dance seductively, that better be the last time that that happens. 
Because what you should do to, to try and honor and protect your daughter, you should have a nice chat with the people that run the dance team and say, hey, I watched this last thing. And some of these dance moves were, were especially seductive. And if you're going to continue having our girls do that, you won't have a dance team. You won't make any money. There will be no one to pay you for lessons to teach these girls basically how to be strippers. But then guys, a lot of you already know what your kid is going to be wearing before they go out there and you're seemingly okay with it because guess what stories like Senate bill 145 in California and this cuties documentary and all the, the Ted talks I've talked about, about pedophilia should let you know that in that crowd, again, I'm thinking specifically about these little dance crews that go out and dance with the thunder girls at halftime. There's 15,000, 20,000 people in there. How many pedophiles do you think are in there? And your little girl is just sitting there dancing right in front of them. And it is your job as a sheepdog to protect her. And I don't care, well, you know, my wife just says it's good for her and all that. You are the man of the house. You control that. You're going to have to stand before God someday and describe to him and defend how you've protected the flock within your house. You're going to have to do that. So if it seems like I'm getting fired up, it's because I am, because I don't have a daughter. But I look at these men with daughters and I'm just astonished because your outrage means nothing to me. If you allow it within your own house, you're, you're ready to go outside and, you know, yell at the sky because of some documentary on Netflix that you're not going to watch or some film on Netflix that you're not going to watch, but then you're allowing it in your own homes. So guys, maybe this is your wake up call because most of you are ready to throw down at a moment's notice if someone were to hurt your kids. But what if you're feeding their appetite? That one's on you. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing you content that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, I've got two things for you. One, I've got the link to the story that I read today. So that was from Fox 11, Los Angeles. It's called a new California bill with lower penalties for adults who have sexual relations with a minor. And then I actually have the actual link to California Senate bill 145. So if you think I've mischaracterized anything, and if you got any gotcha statements in that, you know, little soliloquy that I, that I did there, go ahead. There it is. It's right there in black and white. You can read it for yourself. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, that is how this content is going to continue to get out to more guys, so please help us out with those reviews. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, so if you want me to come speak on your podcast, at your men's event, at your church, whatever, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, Keep cultivating manly resilience. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. Whoa!